Sorry. my heart. 
If I could add in a little more lively song, I'm glad I did. I don't know why. It just seems really quiet tonight. Can we do like the the little like the everyone just turn around and wave to each other like the handshaking time thing? It just seems really quiet, you know. I don't know. It seems quiet. All right, maybe not. Good to see everyone. All right. It's gonna be good now. I have amens already. I haven't started preaching so. This is called I Was There When It Happened. Uh, I think it's just a great song. It's, it's, a, it's an uppity song, but I think it's a great song about, uh, you know, knowing you're saved through salvation. So here it goes. There are some people who say you cannot tell whether we are saved or that it is so well, I was there when it happened so I guess I ought to know yes I know when Jesus saved me the very moment he forgave me took away my heavy burdens Lord he gave me peace within Satan can't make me doubt it feeling I'm gonna shout it tells me salvation is not real though the world may argue that you cannot feel the heavy burdens are lifted and the wild sins go well I was there when it happened so I guess I ought to know yes I know when Jesus saved me I got two more for you. Uh, this one is called Waiting in the Water. Uh, I don't know if you, any of you have ever heard the song Waiting in the Water by the Isaacs. Does anyone listen to the Isaacs? This, this group over here. Okay, some over here too. Good, good. <laughs> great job section. You guys, you guys are great people. Uh, uh, this is probably one of my favorite songs. I love this song. Um, it's called Waiting in the Water. It's about the, the miracle that Jesus performed. Uh, with the blind man, and he, and he rubbed the clay on his eyes, and he told him to go to the water and wash it off, and he'd be healed. And of course he was, um, but just translated into a song of faith. So, really, really pretty song. Mm -hmm. 
man blind from birth, the only one who saw his worth didn't pass him by. He heard his cry. He rubbed his eyes with a handful of clay. Then he said, go and wash in the pool today. And the blind man knew it's what he had to do. and fall each time he got back up again I wonder if he thought every step I take is a step of faith when I can't see what's in front of me I walk on and just believe he hears my prayer Sometimes I felt all alone, like all hope was gone. I know that his word's true, and no matter what I'm going through, he promised me that he would never See what's in front of me. I walk on and just believe he hears my prayer. song is called Do You Remember When? Sorry if you could hear that gurgling. Um, this song was written and um, performed by a blind man that used to come to my church. Um, and his name slips my mind right now, but I always enjoyed watching him sing. And he wrote some really, really beautiful songs. 
Uh, so this one's called Do You Remember When? Do you remember when you were drowning in a sea of sin? Going down for the last time, and you called upon his name. He reached out his nail-scarred hand and lifted you out. So remember where you were back then, thank him for where you are now. took you from sin strife and gave a new start he took your broken life and made you complete so take off those crowns of glory and cast them at the Savior's But you didn't think that Jesus could use someone like you. Now look how he's used your life since he's called you out. And remember where you were back then and thank him for where you are now. took you from sin and strife and gave a new start he took your broken life and made you complete so take off those crowns of glory and cast them at the Savior's feet so take off those crowns of glory and cast them at the Savior's feet. Appreciate it. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, tonight is also the first time I've ever preached sitting down, so <laughs> if I spin on this the whole time, I'm really sorry. Do you spin on this the whole time? I don't know if I do or not. No? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> well, I, I just might, so don't hate me if I do. Maybe it'll keep you awake. You can tell me how many times I did it afterwards. We'll be in First Peter tonight, First Peter chapter number four. I know I already said it, but it is really, really good to be back here and uh, to see y'all again. I really honestly do think about y'all and pray for y'all uh, very often. Y'all mean, mean a whole lot to me. So um, thank you for your friendship. 
um, for your prayers, and uh, <clears throat> just for everything. Y'all are a pretty great church. 1 Peter chapter number 4. So I've um, often, when, been, when talking to um, my elders, or did I just lose it? Am I good? Okay, sorry. I thought I heard a click. Um, I've been talking to, you know, elders or maybe those who are just, you know, 10 years older than me, um, which I guess would technically still be my elders. Um, and a lot of times I hear, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't do more or do better for Christ when I was younger. Or, you know, they, they think back to the time where they were where I was. And they say, I could have done so much more and I could have done so much better for Christ, but I didn't. And now looking back, I wish I could just go back. And um, I know I'm not old. But even just looking back on my, my four years of college, um, I know I can look back. And unfortunately, I can say that I could have done better and I could have done more for Christ. And um, that really, it, uh, I think for everyone, that just, it hurts you. You know, when you, when you think of what Christ has done for you and then you think back, you're like, man, I squandered that time. I wasted that time, that effort. Um, but we're not supposed to live in the past, right? We're supposed to look forward uh, and and in the power that Christ gives us because of his death, we're supposed to move on uh, because of that. I think often uh, we tend to lose sight of eternity and we focus on the here and now. We focus on the task that's right in front of you. And, and to a certain extent, you're, you are. You're supposed to be focused on one day at a time. Uh, but in light of eternity, in light of what Christ has done for us and what we're, what we're here for, we're here to glorify God. That is our purpose, our only purpose in life. And in this passage, uh, I think Peter is, is desperately trying to warn these Christians against the foolish lifestyle of, of focusing on the here and now of, of maybe our pleasures of being comfortable um, when, when we're not really supposed to be too comfortable here. This isn't our home, as the song says, we're just passing through. Uh, but he gives multiple specific warnings about life. And, and overall, he stresses the return of Christ as a motivation to, to live in light of Christ's return. And so in this passage, God wants you to live in light of Christ's return. And, and Peter gives several, several um, specifics throughout this passage, but we don't have that much time. I won't keep you all night. Um, so we're just going to hit like three. So how are we to live in Christ's return, in light of Christ's return? How are we to live in light of eternity? Uh, well, let's go ahead and read, first of all, 1 Peter 4, uh, verses 1 through 8. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For at the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to him who is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Let's go ahead and pray real quick, and then we'll dive into these three quick points. Dear Lord, thank you so much uh, for the blessings that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for the blessing to, to preach tonight, Lord, uh, to be able to sing and to praise your name tonight. 
Lord, I thank you so much for this church. Uh, Lord, everything they mean to me, the work that they're doing for you. I pray that you continue to bless them, Lord, prosper them and what they do. And Lord, help them to fix their eyes on you, Lord, and to live in light of eternity truly every single day. We love you, Lord. And just in my prayer, amen. So first of all, uh, the first key that Peter gives to living in light of eternity is we are to live soberly. You are to live soberly. Verse number seven, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober. This word sober carries the idea of purpose-driven or balanced, realistic, not impulsive or under control, right? You are living soberly. You're serious. And notice, first of all, that Christ is our example for this. Verses one and two, Christ is our example. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. So what is he talking about? What mind is this that he's talking about we're supposed to arm ourselves with? Well, this is the mind of dying to the flesh, right? When Christ died on the cross, he died in his flesh. And therefore he defeated sin and he defeated the grave. He defeated all of that because he died in the flesh, right? He was God, right? So we're not gonna do all of that, but we're supposed to have the same mind. So we're supposed to die to the flesh. And he continues, he says, it's the same mind for, why? For he that suffereth in the flesh hath ceased from sin. He's not talking about perfection, but he says in verse two that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. So Jesus Christ died in the flesh. And so the, we're, we're supposed to have that same mindset to die to our flesh. We're to die to our fleshly desires. But then also being sober ensures that we not waste time that God has bought. Right? So God bought this time. He says, if, if you've died to your flesh, then you're no longer going to live in the rest of your time in the flesh and the lusts of men, but you're going to live in the will of God. Right? So this, this is the first thing. We're supposed to live soberly, and Christ is obviously the highest example we can have of that. He died to his flesh as we're supposed to die to our flesh, and, and ever. He never lived according to fleshly desires or, or the will of man, but he always lived, as verse 2 says, to the will of God. So Christ is our example of living soberly. If you want to see what living soberly looks like, read Christ's life. Get to know God personally. But then also notice that Christ's coming is our motivation. Verse number seven, when he gives us this, this command of, of living soberly, he says, the end of all things is at hand. What is he talking about? He's talking about the rapture, right? Ever since Christ ascended up into heaven, it has been an imminent return. It can happen at any time. He doesn't say that it's going to happen at this specific time. It's just always been soon, right? So we have no idea when soon means, but it's imminent. It's like a rock that's precariously perched, right? And you're like, at any moment, like that, that rock's going to fall. That, that's the idea of imminence. And so Christ's coming is imminent. And in light of that, we need to be living as Christ did, and that is soberly. James 5.8 calls Christians to establish their hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And then in this passage, he says that uh, the, the end of all things is at hand. Uh, guys, we're living on borrowed time. I know we hear this all the time. and We get so bogged down in our day-to-day -day lives, and we have to, right? We're human. Like, this is what happens. We have to go to work. We, we, we have a family. Not that it's like, oh, I have to have a family, right? But you have a family. You have a work. You have friends. You have social life. You have church life. You have all these different things, and it's easy to put them in different boxes. But really, God wants us to have a focus, and it's sober-minded, living in light, of eternity. And Christ's coming is our motivation for this, really. And so my question for you is, are you taking your Christian life serious? Or are you thinking, you know, I have more time. 
I'll, I'll pour more into that area of that box of my life, my spirituality. I'll pour more into that later because I don't really have time right now. Family's really been busy and, and so-and-so is sick and I've been taking care of the neighbor's lawn and, and all these different things. I'll pour more into my spirituality later. That's not what Christ has for us. Being part of a good church won't make you a solid disciple of Christ and neither will even being involved in that good church. You have an awesome church here. You guys are working for the Lord and that's awesome but that won't make you a disciple of Christ. It takes personal, purposeful, and daily time with Christ. And that, that fosters this, this sober living. So if the Holy Spirit has convicted you of something, that maybe in your life, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. But maybe it, it, it distracts you from living soberly, from living in light of eternity. If it takes up so much time that you say, I don't have time for God because of this, maybe it shouldn't be there. Maybe the Holy Spirit would have that gone from your life. Because at the end of our day, our only purpose is to glorify God, and our lives should match that purpose. We don't have time right now, but Psalm 49, write it down. Psalm 49. I was reading that psalm this morning, and I never realized what an awesome picture of, we, we have a choice. We have a choice, and, and it, it compares uh, the fleshly man who, who doesn't understand or he doesn't, he doesn't seek after God and the man who does. Psalm 49, beautiful picture, very straightforward. Um, go read that sometime. So first of all, we saw that we we're to live soberly in light of Christ's return. We're talking about living in light of eternity. We're to live soberly. But second, we're to live prayerfully. Verse number seven again. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Now, first of all, notice that Peter here is speaking from experience. We all know the story about the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Christ is about to go to the cross. He's about to drink the cup of God's wrath. And he, he, he's been charged by Christ. Peter's been charged by Christ to pray with him for one hour. Christ is at his lowest point, physically speaking. And he just, one hour of prayer from his disciples. And Peter fails. He falls asleep. He not only, he fails, he fails. And so Peter speaks from experience in this passage. He's speaking very passionately about this. Prayer not only guards against sin, but it guards against a flippant Christian life. Because a conversation with God has the potential to reveal sin and also to draw you closer to God. But, but it has to be an actual conversation. I don't think sometimes we actually have a conversation with God. I think we're just, we're just saying words and not actually listening. Um, but I think God, God has something for us. And Peter, Peter realized the importance of prayer. And that's why he brings it up in this passage. It's the second thing that he brings up. He says, this is important. If we're going to live in light of eternity, you need to live, live prayerfully. He speaks with passion, verse number seven. Watch under prayer. Watch carries the idea of being circumspect, looking in all directions, being, being watchful, always wary of, of what's about to happen. Our prayers can't fall into mundane circumstances. They have to be fresh. And in a way that, that you can apply this, a lot of times I've, I've heard my whole life, you know, you need a fresh prayer life, you need a fresh prayer life. What does that look like? Um, I'm not saying this man is the greatest thing since sliced bread, but he had a good idea, right? Uh, he came and he preached to the, the men preparing for ministry at Pensacola Christian College. And he talked about prayer in, in your ministry. And he talked about praying through the Psalms. And it just makes sense. I mean, most Psalms, a lot of them, they're prayers and they're praises to God. And uh, so he said, you know what, start, uh, say the day is the 20th. You're going to start at Psalm 20 and you're going to read through and whatever comes to mind, you're not expositing it like a sermon, but whatever comes to mind, you're going to pray about what comes to mind. So something about God, honestly, usually comes to mind instead of about ourselves. And so it, and then you just add 30 to that for that day. However much time you have, just keep adding 30 and you'll pray through the whole book of Psalms in a month. Uh, really, really awesome. Totally refreshed my prayer life 
I think you should try it. Um, that's just my opinion, though. But it's praying through through Scripture, and and if you look through the Bible through Scripture, you'll see that many men of God prayed Scripture. Those were their prayers, and you can't you can't pray outside of the will of God if you're praying Scripture, right? It just it all makes sense. It's, it's a beautiful way uh, to refresh your prayer life. It, uh, it's it more of more of the less of me mindset, and I think a lot of times we get so much into a God, I want, God, I want, God, I want. And again, that prayer isn't focused towards eternity. That prayer isn't focused toward the glory of God, toward the end that he has, toward his will. But if you're praying God's word, like actually God's word that he spoke, there's no way you can be praying outside of the will of God. There's no way that you can be praying something that doesn't line up with God's end game, with God's end goal. And so I challenge you, go home, um, whatever works for you, but, but pray through scripture is powerful really gets you to focus on God. So first of all, we're to live soberly. This is in light of eternity. We're to live soberly. We're to live prayerfully. And then last, and this is not the last of what he has. Read through the rest of what he has. But verse number eight, we're to live lovingly. Look at verse number eight. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Notice, first of all, the position of love. This is above all things. And even in, in Colossians and 1 Corinthians, in multiple places, Paul, he's talking about different characteristics that a Christian should have when he's following after God. And, and every single time, he's always like, charity, guys, charity. Like everything else, put it aside, charity. You need charity. Charity is above all else. Charity is above all things. Charity, 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 charity. Charity is important, right? Paul really emphasizes his charity. And really, it's the Holy Spirit that's emphasizing love of God. And we need to have a loving Christian life. Uh, Christ himself said that on these two commandments, loving God and loving others, hang all the law and the prophets. And again, we get so bogged down with, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to go to church and I have to read my Bible and I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to go love this person. But really, if if we're we're attached to God, hip to hip, right? We're going to be loving because that's what God does. And that's what his children are supposed to do. And this is what it looks like to live in light of eternity. We're to live soberly. We're to live seriously and prayerfully, praying the will of God. And we're to live lovingly. But also with love, real quick, just look at the practicality of love. Verse number eight. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Why? For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. So what is he talking about? It's going to cover a multitude of sins. Do we just ignore sins now? No, obviously not. Peter's not saying that. But what he's saying is we're not just forgiving an individual but we're, we're keeping it tight, right? So, you know, if Pastor John does me dirty, which he wouldn't, but if he did, because he's human, uh, you know, I wouldn't go around telling every single person, like, Brother Schneider, did you hear what Pastor John did to me? No, it doesn't concern Brother Schneider, right? I, my, my love, my, my love that Christ has given me for Pastor John, it's going to cover that sin, that iniquity. I'm not going to go telling Brother Schneider. I'm not going to go telling Speck. I'm not going to go telling anyone because it's none of their business, right? So this is the body of Christ. This is practical living in light of eternity. He says, love covereth a multitude of sins. It's not telling someone so they can be more in prayer of something, right? We all, we've all had that excuse before, if we're honest. You know, I have anyways. I don't know. Uh, one commentator puts it this way. He says, love motivates us to hide sin from others and not spread it abroad. It's really simple. Love covers a multitude of sin. But then notice this, and I think if you don't, if you don't get anything else tonight, this is the most important thing. Notice the, the word he uses for charity. 
the, the adjective. He says it's fervent charity. Fervent charity. When I think of fervent, I think of like an athlete, right? And he's just, he's fervently going, you know, after the ball. He's fervently going after the goal. He's fervent. The, the word fervent means with intent or without ceasing, right? So that, that's a good picture to have in your mind. But if you think about it, what do we have that is without ceasing? Like, like our love is not really without ceasing, right? And, and I know love, love is a choice. It's not just an emotion. But so often with us, it is. We just hold on to the emotional part, that portion. And so in, in our fleshly desires, our love falls short. It's like, well, I love this person, but then like they did me wrong and I still love them. And they did, they did me wrong again and, and it's, it's just too much. I can't love them anymore, right? Our love ceases, but we're supposed to have fervent charity, which means charity that doesn't cease. Like, how is this possible? When we're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit, God has, has nothing, nothing but love, right? His love never ceases. And of course he has justice and of course he has mercy and he has other aspects, but, but God's love never, ever, 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 ever ceases, ever. And ours does. We're human. But, but if we're constantly walking with God, if we're walking seriously, soberly, and if we're praying, we're, we have that relationship with him personally and daily, then we're gonna have this love from Christ because we're gonna be spirit-filled. We're gonna be filled with his word and then our love can be fervent and then it can cover a multitude of sins and then we can have that unity within the body of Christ and this is all just pointing towards the return of Christ pointing towards uh, pointing towards our goal of glorifying Christ with our lives because that's the end goal that's all it is and so we're to live soberly we're to live prayerfully and we're to live lovingly and again these are just three of, of many things that he mentions he goes through uh, specifics through here hospitality without grudging um, minister the same one to another he goes through a lot of things. In light of Christ's return, this is what we should be doing. But these are the first three things, and charity is the most important. So we've just looked at three, and there are many more, and I challenge you to go back and, and look through all of them. But tonight, specifically, evaluate these three areas in your life. Are you living soberly? Are you living seriously in light of Christ's return? Are you living prayerfully? Do you have a prayer life? Are you praying the will of God? And then are you living lovingly? And are we living it today? I think too often, I do anyways, I spend so much time, I just spent four years preparing for ministry. And I'm about to spend three more preparing for ministry. Uh, and I think we get so so focused on the here and now, and we get so focused on preparing about what will one day do for Christ. And maybe you sit back and you're like, you know what, I have this great idea for church, but it's just not time yet because I'm too busy. And, and I get that, life is busy. Again, you have things you have to do, but we spend so much time saying, one day I will. One day I'll do this for Christ. We spend so much time preparing and not enough time doing. And so here's my question. In light of all of our preparing and what we will do for Christ one day, what if Christ came back today? What if it was after church? What would you tell him? Look him in the eye and say, God, I was really excited for my plans for you. I really was. I had, I had these great plans. God, God, look at this. I wrote it all down in my notebook, and it's just, it's all planned out. It's beautiful. So many people are going to be involved. God, I had awesome, awesome plans for you. God, I've been preparing academically like I have. God, I've been preparing uh, my spirit for this ministry. God, I've been, I've been preparing uh, others for it. What have you been doing for Christ? Are you living in light of eternity, or are you just kind of planning to live like that one day? What if Christ came back today? We don't have time to waste, and Peter stresses that. 
Have you been serving him? Have you been earnestly praying his will? Have you been fervently loving? Have you been seriously living out his will or you just had a flippant attitude about your Christian life because you plan to do it later? Guys, let me challenge you. Wherever you are, whatever your next step in life is, whatever's going on in your life right now, it's time to get serious in your Christian life. And I'm, I'm preaching to me before I'm preaching to any of you. It's, it's time to get serious. It's time to stop planning and start doing. And, and we're not just doing to do. We're doing in light of eternity. We're, we're, we're loving God. We're loving others. We're living soberly, and we're living prayerfully. We're, we're praying his will constantly. But let me challenge you. Evaluate your life. Are you living seriously for Christ? Are you living in light of eternity? Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, thank you so much uh, for your word. God, how it challenges us, how it pricks our hearts. And God, how it changes us into your image, God. Help us not to take for granted the power of your word, Lord. I know I do much too often, Lord. God, I pray that you would change the hearts of everyone in this room, Lord. Lord, get them focused on you. God, I pray that your will would be done in your time and that you would have willing servants to accomplish it. We love you, Lord. We thank you for everything that you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.